Good evening and welcome to Applestock Kurfürstendamm. Please welcome on stage uh, the moderator for today. It's Sarah Willis from the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra. Sarah Willis. Hello. Hello, it's really fabulous to be here. I play the Berlin Philharmonic and I didn't actually know there was such a fantastic concert space here. We knew there was an event room, but that it's so great, I think I'm going to pass that message on. Um, we have the guest of honor right here. And did you actually know he was a horn player? Did you know that? Well, I knew he was. So two horn players together. Esther Pecker, welcome. So we, we, we discussed the possibility of telling some horn jokes at the beginning, but then we thought maybe that's not for public consumption. Um, but you actually started your life as a horn player, as well as studying composing and conducting at the Sibelius Academy. I, I did indeed, yeah. yeah. I even made a living as a horn player. You made a living as a horn well, player? Well, not... That's difficult. I mean, like, I was still in school, <laughs> <laughs> still in school, but I, I earned like, my pocket money as a horn player in, in various orchestras in Helsinki. Um, so I, I got to know that side of life. So you're one of the club, that's okay. That's uh, condu con conductors that actually played the horn. That's, uh, it's like a tattoo, you know, you, you get it once and then it's always there. It's and you, just, uh, you understand us, so it's, it's nice to have a horn player when conducting us. You <laughs> know, it's, it's interesting, wherever I go, the horn players always, they know that I know that they know that I know that they know. <laughs> so you have more sympathy for us because you're, you're one of us. Mm, I okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. You could put it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But we are here not to talk about horn playing. Um, we are here to talk about um, your composing with um, with technique, and um, and all the new innovations that have have, have reached us. Um, you actually started. I heard a rumor that you and Magnus Lindberg shut yourselves up in a room and started playing Bach on, on a really really old computer many years ago. Is this true? Um, but partly, partly. It's, it, it was, I think, back in 77 or 78, there was an, uh, uh, an institute in Stockholm called EMS, Elektronisk Musik Institute, um, um, Electronic Music uh, Center. They had a big mainframe computer, PDP-15. Um, it was the size of, uh, I would say, like six or seven uh, fridges together, put together. <laughs> Uh, and it sounded the same also, the, the hum. <laughs> and it, the energy consumption was just like off the charts and, and, and the room was very, very hot. Um, and it was uh, the first computer in Northern Europe dedicated to music composition. And, and the first thing we were trying to do was to, to write a fugue on it. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was supposed to be in Bach sti style, but it was um, actually my, my fugue. Um, and, uh, and we, we spent, I don't know, maybe 14 hours punching little holes oh. onto this paper tape. Oh. And the thing about that is that it's, um, there, there's no connection between what you see and what you imagine to be hearing. So mistakes are not only common, but also they can be absolute dram absolutely dramatic. So you, if you punch a, uh, one holes in a slightly wrong position, the pitch might hop like five octaves or something <laughs> like that. So it might actually become only audible to dogs and, and, and that kind of thing. <laughs> and then, so we worked all night and I have to admit, we also drank some beer. 
oh, just to keep ourselves uh, alert um, up to the task. And then it was early in the morning, like 8.30 or something. We thought, okay, it's finished now, so let's hear it. And then it starts playing, and the notes are essentially right, but it just jumps like 16 octaves up and down. It, it was the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, <laughs> like a bunch of in insects, and then a rhino, <laughs> insects, rhino, normal note, insects, rhino. And um, I never forget that day. That would have been something for YouTube. Um, things have got a lot easier for you composing in the uh, in that sort of using the new technologies but you've never actually used technology in your in your compositions or have you oh uh, i have used samplers i have used uh, synthesizers and so on and so forth it but it's but you, but you would you would you compose i don't know something use, would you bring an ipad into the orchestra um you know i i think it's only a matter of um a few years when more and more musicians and Perhaps orchestras are, are starting to use um, touch screens instead of printed music, because that makes sense. Um, it's good for the rainforest, but also um, um, you, you save on the, the postal cost and so on and so forth. And, and downloading is so much faster and safer than, than mailing things. And, and so I, I think it's just a matter of time. Um, we still have some format issues and so on and so forth. And that the iPad screen is a little too small. Um, but yeah, I think we are getting there. I was um, I was looking to see your you know what what were your sort of technical technical successes up to now and um, there are of course the ones in the music like uh, the Tristan project and and Bluebeard but actually for me I, I realized for me your first technical huge success was actually helping build the Walt Disney Center the Walt Disney Hall in um, with Frank Gehry um, did you actually uh, in help him with the acoustics and and how how did that work? Well, um, we have had an acoustician, uh, Yasu Toyota, who is maybe the leading acoustician in the world at the moment. So, so, so he took care of that part. And Frank, of course, doesn't need help in designing anything. He can do it very well <laughs> himself. But we spent a lot of time together discussing the, the, the idea of a concert hall. What should it be? What, what is the kind of message? a concert hall should send. Uh, of course, you know, in, in America, also in some parts of Europe, but in especially in the States, um, concert halls and, and public arts buildings in the seven built in the 70s and in the 80s, they had this sort of temple-like quality. Quite often they, they were up on hills or pedestals and, and you know, in order to, to get there, you had to climb stairs and, and, uh, and, and also you had to have assume this kind of worship position when approaching an arts uh, uh, institution, which I we didn't think was the right approach. Um, I mean, worship is fine, but I, I think art, and especially music and, and live music, should be easily approachable, and it should be available, it should be there, and it should be on the street level, you can just pop in that and see what's going on. And I, I, th I think also, um, what what Frank managed to to convey in his design is is the sense of movement, excitement, openness, um, and adventure, and those are exactly the things that are not traditionally part of the kind of marketing of classical music, but it, but they're there and they're very important. And, and of course, as we know, I mean, people who listen to that kind of music and who who perform and compose, it, we know that this is uh, a, a huge part of what makes it so special. 
So that was that was a, a technical feat in itself. So then we move on to the where you started using um, video projections in in the music, your Tristan project, and then your Bluebeard, and then this all morphed. In, and then you you decided to make it more more tangible with your rewrite project. Um, your rewrite project was such a fantastic idea. It, it went all around the world, and you didn't have to take any musicians. You didn't even have to go yourself. Uh, <laughs> there is a certain alarming quality in that. <laughs> Um, the, the, the idea, of course, with these kind of digital projects is, is not to replace the hardcore experience of, of, uh, of live music. I mean, that's, of course, what we're about, and that's what makes it special, that every, every moment is, is different uh, from any previous moment and, and will not be repeated exactly as it is, never again. And, um, but I would like to see this technological component and, and the digital component as a as an extension uh, of what we're experiencing. Uh, so maybe adding another layer of expression or maybe explaining something that is happening, maybe giving people uh, some kind of a handle to understand what it is and to, to get more engaged, get more deeply involved with the, with the expression and the na narrative of music and all that. And that's what the right of straight this this right project was. It was it was it was a series of installations where people could even you could even play percussion in the right of spring. You could try and conduct it as well. I've seen many people try and do that. <laughs> yes, we we all try but uh, <laughs> to conduct that piece. But um, that was a, a sort of a pilot project. It's very hard to describe if you haven't seen it, but, but the idea was that we would... I think there's a couple of pictures. Right. Of, no, that's John Tom that's right now. That, yeah, that's, that's, that's the blue beard. Blue beard. Um, but, but there's a couple of pictures of the kids trying it out, I think, coming on. Yeah, the, the idea was that we would uh, capture the orchestra, the Philharmonia Orchestra, um, playing the Rite of Spring with 39 HD cameras. Some of them um, man-operated and, and some of them automatic robotic cameras. And then we even used some head cameras. So there were a couple of players who, who could offer this kind of point of view um, uh, perspective. Um, and, and then we s kind of spread the orchestra around in space, in an installation space, where, where every section had their own high-definition high screen. And you could kind of walk into the belly of an orchestra, and then you can walk around. And, and of course, what happens then acoustically is that if you're close to the oboes, you hear them louder. Uh, it, it was mixed in such a way. And, and you can play along. You can bring your own instrument. Um, you can have running commentary uh, from me um, um, and some of the players, and trying to explain what is happening, how we are what we're thinking at any given moment. And this was an installation that, they, that it went on tour. It I went to many ex different exactly. cities. And, um, and I went to see it as a sort of civilian a few times in various, various places because I was really curious about the, how it was perceived and, and how people reacted. And, um, because nothing like that had been done before. And my best moment was in Lisbon. There were two old ladies well into their 80s. They, they were uh, 
trying to play the bass drum part <laughs> in the end of the first part <laughs> of the sacre. <laughs> and the Philharmonia first per percussionists, uh, per percussionist was giving instructions on screen, oh, now you hit, and the, <laughs> the ladies were, they were whacking the bass <laughs> drum and, and having a great time. And I thought, this is, that's one of the most beautiful things about this kind of music. We, we don't have, there's no age limit. You know, you can be two years old, you can be 102 years old, um, and everything in between. So it's not a tribal, focused marketing effort, such as um, in many um, brands of rock and pop music, where, where there's a sort of a very clearly focused group, and then if you're not part of that group, then you listen to something else and this and that. So, so, so we are totally open and um, welcoming. Um, and that's the whole point. I mean, that's why we are using these digital things. What would you like to reach with that? I mean, because you, you can't, no one can ever replace a live concert experience, no. as we'll see in a minute. No, but I, but if, if you are not used to the ritual of a symphony concert, for instance, it, it's a little bewildering, I must say. Some They're people are afraid of it. They think, oh, that's too highbrow for me. Well, well there's that, but also what, what actually happens on stage, you, you have an orchestra wearing something that looks like 1880s, uh, Penguin upper, dress. upper middle class <laughs> uh, evening, uh, like dinner outfit. And then there's a person on the box who's making ritual movements that the seem box. to have a vague vague uh, or no connection with what, what's going on and um, and <laughs> you wonder how, how on earth does it work? It sounds really great, but what, how, what makes it work? How, how are they actually communicating? How often have I been asked, do you really need that guy up there on the podium? We yeah, do. I've been asked that too. <laughs> uh, so, um, so I, there was a, this is awful name dropping, but once in, in, in the early 80s, I was supposed to do a, a project with Sting, and he came to one of my concerts, and I was conducting the London Sinfonietta in, in Schoenberg's Comma uh, Symphony, and he came to see me afterwards and said, that, that was great, what a, what a good piece, but, but what do you actually do? How, do you have, I didn't detect any connection between what you do and the music. So, <laughs> so that was a little dramatic, yeah. eh? Um, he's, a, he's a cool one, is all Sting. Yeah, but I thought maybe this, needs a little bit of uh, <laughs> so uh, analysis. So you've morphed, basically you've morphed this rewrite project into an app, which I happen to have here on one I've prepared earlier. And you up there, I do this, and here we go. What would you like to hear? Symphony Fantastique? What, what, what Ezepeka was just talking about, you can literally do, you can go into a piece and you can, um, you can go into the music, you can see who's playing, there's Katie, the first horn, and you can go into the orchestra with these little dots, press on a section, and hear how awful the horns sound from behind. We sound terrible if you sit behind us. So well the idea <laughs> is that you, you hover your finger over the orchestra and, and, and that moves you to the, that very acoustical spot of the orchestra. So you it's it's really it's it's an incredible incredible thing. You've also got wonderful um, uh, interviews uh, with the with the well not interviews. Your your Philharmonia orchestra are amazing digitally. They they just get on. Look, I went of course I went first and I went here and I pressed on the horn, and I got Katie. I pressed on Katie. Hello, my name's Katie and I play. The and she goes on for hours about the French horn. She's, <laughs> a, she's amazing. As as people do. It's really uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, well, as they do. Uh, okay. But anyway, mm. I mean, this is, this is what you, you've put together that is really an incredible present 
to, uh, to, to everyone out there, you, you feel like you're sitting in the orchestra and you can hear what it sounds like in the horn section, in the violin section. Um, wh wh where did you get this idea from? It was just something you always wanted to put out there? Well, um, in all honesty, I had extremely capable and, and, uh, and uh, inventive co collaborators when doing this. Um, and um, You've always been an Apple user, haven't you, right from the... Okay, well, maybe... Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I've been <laughs> fairly faithful, I must say. Yeah. But um, So we, we thought that after the rewrite experience, which was uh, really um, a pilot in many ways, we didn't know how this would be perceived and, and uh, how it would work. It was such a success, so we thought that we should do something for the iPad because the platform was actually maturing uh, and also the... Um, new generation iPads were powerful enough to do all this stuff. So you can have four uh, uh, HD win windows That's open right. at the same yeah. time. And plus you can uh, run sound in, in high audio. You see, it's five years five-year-olds who master this in, in like five minutes and then... That's the scary thing, uh, they really um, can. So it, for them it's, it's totally normal. You grew up mm. with touchscreen and that's yeah. it. And then in, in three minutes they have got the hang of it. Um, but the... The idea was to, to create something that would work on many different levels, um, not only for the professionals or the music lovers or the sort of people with the uh, experience, but also people who've never been to a classical concert, never seen an, a symphony orchestra and every, everything in between. Um, and I was hoping that it would work on many different uh, levels also in terms of how deep you want to go. You can, you can just watch a performance of, say, uh, the first movement of Mahler 6. Or you can, you can go into the history of, of the orchestra. Uh, or you can, you can watch the Esapeka Salon and Violin Concerto. <laughs> yeah, but the great thing is, excuse me for interrupting, the great thing is, is your commentary. You can go on and you can, you can, get, you can hear them talking about it while it plays. Um, it's commentar. Listen, here you go. You get the, the subtitles, you can have the subtitles going while you play it. It's, it's incredible. And, and I was also hoping that this could have uh, a function in music education, uh, in schools, normal schools. More and more schools are using iPads. More and more schools are cutting back on arts education, and uh, especially classical music. And I was hoping that this kind of app could fill the gap somehow. And there's been a wonderful campaign as well, versus it's a beautiful campaign. It's such a, a gift to classical music to have this so much publicity out there. I think we'll show the we'll show the film. Have we got it there, or should we take the questions first? We'll show the film. Ah. Oh.
It's beautiful. Mm. It's beautiful. <coughs> it's beautiful, and we are very lucky because we'll be hearing um, the third movement of the Violin Concerto live in a moment. Um, does anyone have any questions for the maestro about the app or about his horn playing? <laughs> <laughs> I can't really see out there, it's so dark. Oh, it's quite quiet out there. Ah, yes, you have a question. Um, how, how, how does it feel like to be up there and conduct the music? It is fun. Uh, and for me, the best part is to work together with people, the musicians, um, to kind of hear them play from the best seat in the house, right there, uh, and, and feel the energy. It's, it's really great. Do you think you'll be playing with this app and going looking at the orchestra? It looks pretty cool, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah good. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else before the orchestra comes out? We are, we've, your orchestra, you brought your orchestra, your digitally famous. It was like I was seeing lots of, well, lots of old friends anyway from England, but I recognize all their faces from the app. <laughs> um, you've brought them over with you this morning, this afternoon. Of course, never leave home without the Philharmonia Orchestra. <laughs> 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 They'll be coming on in a minute. We have, tell us about the program. Uh, we are going to start with Vals Trist by Sibelius. Um, and then Lila Josefovic is going to play the third movement of my violin concerto. Followed by uh, a short uh, solo violin piece of mine also. It's uh, the, the end last section of a violin piece called Lachem Verlant. Uh, and then we are going to play Musique Funèbre by Ludoswabski for string orchestra. Um, it's not the jolliest ending imaginable, but, um, but it's a beautiful piece. Do you think classical music needs all this technology? Well, I, I think it would be idiotic to think that we somehow live in a bubble that has nothing to do with the rest of the world that would just destroy us. And, and we have really tried to destroy ourselves in this way, uh, but luckily <laughs> didn't quite manage. Um, and, and you know, if you look at the history of the orchestra, for instance, or, or composed music, partitur music, and it, it goes hand in hand with the technological uh, uh, development, of course. You know, you, you look at Wagner, uh, you look at Berlioz, you know, all these people, they, the moment somebody invented something, uh, they were right there. Um, and they even invented things themselves. And um, I read somewhere that the first uh, version of the Alpen Symphony by Richard Strauss used a, a machine that somebody had. Have you heard about this? I have. That a machine that helped the wind players to play longer phrases without taking breath. I want one. But, <laughs> but he uh, abandoned the machine after the first uh, performance. And I. I I'm terribly curious about how this works. Where, where uh, it's some kind of a pump, <laughs> but I have no no well. idea how how this works. But um, I would love to see a picture of it. If anybody has one, please yeah. send it to me. Um, well, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think I think we need to move with the times in classical music, and um, I think we are very lucky to have you and your vision in technology, and not only that, but you, with your music, your music making and your composing. Thank you for coming today, and thank you for bringing your orchestra and your piece and your app. Thank you very, very much for being here. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you.